What's up? This is Greg from Three Doors Down, and you're listening to Thunder Underground. Welcome to episode 373 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent here as always. And this week we've got a great one because Greg Upchurch, the drummer for Three Doors Down, is joining me here on this podcast. Greg's been a longtime member of Three Doors Down. He's also the drummer for Puddle of Mud before that, as well as the band Eleven, and the touring drummer for Chris Cornell. We're going to talk about all that stuff, and we're also going to talk about Greg's new business venture here in the great state of Oklahoma. He has a new coffee shop called Greg's Rock and Goat Coffee in southern Oklahoma, so we're going to talk about that as well, and a couple other things, but before we do, I need to let you know who the sponsors are, and that would be DEB Concerts, concert promoter based right here in the Tulsa, Oklahoma area, and has brought lots of great shows to the downtown Tulsa area with bands like Saxon, Last in Line, Buck Cherry, Warrant, Winger, Tom Kiefer of Cinderella, Lita Ford, Great White, Bisto Blanco. The list is great and long. They've also brought arena acts to the BOK Center here in Tulsa, like Snoop Dogg, Ice Cube, Lamb of God, Megadeth, Poison, and they continue bringing these acts as well. And on top of all that, they book the Roadhouse stage at Rocklahoma every year, and this year is no exception. The Rocklahoma lineup was announced a couple weeks ago. And as far as the DEB concerts part of that at the Roadhouse stage, that stage will feature the pre-party on Thursday night, the first night of Rocklahoma. If you're a full weekend pass holder, you can see Warrant. The other three nights will, at the on the Roadhouse stage will be headlined by Kicks, Skid Row, and Buck Cherry. LA Guns will also be on that stage as well as several other acts. Get on debconcerts.com for ticket info for Rocklahoma or any other of their shows and also upcoming news. And of course, we keep you up to date right here as well. You've also got Med Farm and Dispensary located in Broken Air, Oklahoma, 24683 East Highway 51. They're right off the highway. They've got a huge selection. You can check it out entirely at leafly.com. You can, of course, go inside as well. They've got tons of knowledgeable staff. They also have a drive-thru, which is a huge benefit because there's tons of dispensaries that do not have that option. You can call or message your order ahead of time and then go right through that drive-thru and be on your way. If you follow them on their socials, on Facebook, that's MedFarm, P-H-A-R-M. Instagram is MedFarm OK. They're always running specials. Great deals, so you don't want to miss any of those. And one of the deals that's always running is if you mention Thunder Underground, they'll give you 10% off your first order. You can't beat that. And on top of all this, they are cannabis with a cause. That means 30% of their proceeds at all times go to build no-kill animal shelters. That's a huge deal. Most places... Don't donate a fraction of their profits, let alone nearly a third at all times to do something like this. So wherever you're at in a Tulsa area, it's worth driving to MedFarm for that alone. So hit up MedFarm. It's March. All these dispensaries run March Madness deals. I guarantee you MedFarm's no different. So get on Leafly.com, Weed Maps, or whatever you use to check out what's going on at MedFarm. Finally, we've got Sunset Tattoo, a tattoo shop located in Midtown Tulsa. Their tattoos are done good and proper, they're state licensed, and they are mother approved. 25 plus years of experience from Jason Thompson and his crew over there excel at all different styles. So if you get on their Facebook or their Instagram, both of those are Sunset Tattoo Tulsa, you can see tons of pics from throughout the years 
of all the styles that Jason's great at. Jason's done a tattoo on me. I'm very happy with it. I know several other people that have gotten tattoos from him as well. So shoot him a message or give him a call to talk about what work you want to have done to set your appointment. They also accept walk-ins. So hit up Sunset Tattoo and tell them you heard about them on Thunder Underground. All right, before we get into the Greg Upchurch talk, we need to talk about an unfortunate event, which was the passing of Wayne Swinney, the lead guitarist and one of the original founding members of Saliva. If you're hearing this the day it came out, Wayne just passed away yesterday. I'm recording this here on Wednesday, March 22nd, which is unfortunately the day Wayne passed away, so there's not there doesn't really need to be tons of details, but the details are he unfortunately had a brain hemorrhage and was found, I'm guessing, in a hospital room. I mean, a hospital room, excuse me, a hotel room or a tour bus or something because they're currently on tour. He was found Tuesday morning, rushed to ICU, unfortunately did not make it. Saliva, you know, has been going strong now for 96, I think, is when they started. So they were, we're now in our 27th year which is crazy to think about, right? This band always got thrown into that new metal thing at first and then the radio rock, you know, kind of format, which is, you know, you know, fine and acceptable, but they had a lot more to them than a lot of those bands had. And part of that was Wayne and his, I don't know if it's just, you know, not just his image, but his guitar playing, you know, screamed old school rock and roll. The lyrics or the, the way that Josie Scott sang songs, some of those songs in the early days, you know, just had a, the band had a swagger and a kind of a in-your-face punch that, you know, could be harkened back to an 80s rock band, even though they didn't really sound like an 80s rock band, but they just had that attitude and that style, you know, from the Every Six Seconds, which wasn't the debut, it was actually their second album, but it's the the breakthrough mainstream national album that, you know, spawned the hits like Click, Click, Boom, and Your Disease. And then the band was off and running from there. Clear up to now, you know, they've got a... Their current single is called High On Me, and it's been getting a lot of traction. It's got tons of... Tons of streams, and rightfully so. Check it out if you have not. It's a good one. You know, they've carried on now for over a decade with Bobby Amaro Jr. I've had the chance to see Saliva many times throughout the years, going clear back to you know, the every six seconds era over 20 years ago. And they're always a great live band. And I got the chance to see them as recently as last September at the Blue Ridge Rock Fest when I was working. And that was when they did their onstage reunion with Josie Scott for the first time in over a decade. Kind of looking back, you know, now, obviously in hindsight, you've got to think, was this not was it is it it was i guess it is because it happened it's it was destined to happen you know everybody always clamors for those original lineups whether it be the singer the guitarist and you know saliva has survived quite a while now without josie scott they've done fine but you know from my standpoint josie scott's voice is as much saliva as anything and as much you know as wayne swinney's guitar sound so to see those guys be able to reunite for a few songs like six, seven months ago now. It's just, you know, amazing to be able to look back and see that that was able to happen, you know, before it was too late because this was, you know, a freak thing that 
obviously no one saw it coming, the, the loss of Wayne. So it's, you know, it, it's unfortunate and happy for the opportunity for anybody that has ever got the chance to see him live and, you know, happy for myself that I got the chance too many times. And if, if you're one of those people that are just familiar with the, the radio songs, you know, you know, dig in there a little deeper, you know, my favorite, well, my favorite saliva song, I think is survival of the sickest, which was a known radio single, but they've got other songs, kind of deep cuts that are amazing. Like two steps back, holding on Southern girls, you know, there's just a few from the Josie Scott area. And like, like I said, you know, they've got newer stuff. They've just got a, they've got a new single. There's several new singles out now. Three, I think, Crows and High on Me. So check those out as well. If you hadn't had a chance to check out the Thunder Underground episode with Josie Scott, be sure and do that if you get a chance. Because we talked about, of course, about the, the Blue Ridge show. And of course, he talks about reuniting with Wayne. After all these years and what it meant to him, that's something you should check out as well if you have not. Condolences to Saliva and anyone that has anything to do with the Saliva team. And of course, Wayne's family and friends. And of course, fans out there. A loss to the rock and roll world. Rest in peace, Wayne Swinney. Alright, so on to happier news, which would be Greg Upchurch. I guess that's not really news, but happier topics, I guess. I guess it would be news if you didn't know, which you might not if you're from this area, but even a lot of people from this area might not know. I mean, I'm in Oklahoma, but I'm at least a couple hours away from Kingston, Oklahoma, which is the town that Greg is grew up in partially, and this is where he has his brand new coffee shop called Greg's Rock and Goat Coffee that opened mid last year. And he goes into great detail. We talk a lot about what brought this on you know, his involvement with it, you know, how hands-on he is and everything that's going on with the coffee shop, which is great stuff. You can also go online to Greg's Rock and Goat Coffee's website and buy the coffee directly from them that they roast right there on site. And as he talks about here in the interview coming up, everything is roasted to order. So if you right now got on there and ordered something, they're not just going to turn around and grab a bag it was roasted a month or two ago and throw it in a box and ship it to you, you're going to get something that was roasted tomorrow or however the process goes. So that is something very cool. As for Greg on the music side, which is the reason this podcast exists and the reason most people are listening, is that Greg has been the drummer for Three Doors Down now for, this will be his 18th year. He joined in 2005. And Three Doors Down just announced, just a few days ago, maybe a couple days ago now, their summer tour, which features Candlebox opening up. And their summer tour is a 20th anniversary of Away From The Sun, which came out in 2003. Their second album, great album. They did the 20th anniversary of Better Life a couple years ago. We'll see, you know, if they keep doing this every for every album or not you know a lot of bands do it you know for the early albums or the albums that were the most commercially successful but i know the third album is whenever greg joined and that was pretty successful as well it featured or no that wasn't this was that 17 days or yeah and then the fourth album was the self-titled which featured it's not my time which is probably my favorite 
Three Doors Down song. There's lots of great stuff throughout there, but even, I, I believe he mentions that here in this interview when we're talking about singles, but anyway, Greg's career is kind of unique in a way that, you know, you always hear about bands or artists like toiling away for years and years and years and years, whether it be just by themselves or in a band format, like a band, you know, has been around 10, 15 years struggling in the clubs you know, sleeping on floors, whatever they can do to get by, to get known and get out there, and then they finally break big. And then you hear the opposite of that, where you hear, you know, a band formed last year, and the right person heard them, or saw them, you know, helped them get that album out, and, you know, now we all know who they are. But And Greg Upchurch, as a musician, it's not an overnight success, but it's a a pretty quick, uh, you know, upward climb that he did, you know, like he talks about, I've seen in social media posts and interviews in the past, you know, that he was working at Guitar Center whenever he happened to meet the members of the band 11 when they came in. I believe, well, I believe the story is they were on tour and they came in and he was helping them and they mentioned that, or somehow the subject came up that they were looking for a drummer because 11's original drummer was Jack Irons, who went on to join Pearl Jam, and of course was in Red Hot Chili Peppers before Chad Smith was, as was, I believe, the guitarist of Eleven. I could be wrong on that, but I think that's that's right. But anyway, we're not talking about that, we're talking about Greg, and that would be that, you know, he met the members of Eleven and he joined the band became the drummer for 11. I think he played on their third or fourth album. And then not long after that, 11 became the backing band for Chris Cornell's solo tour. And I know that even, I know that the members of 11 helped write and even recorded some of his first solo album, Euphoria Morning. I actually looked it up before I said this just to make sure I was right. And I think Greg played on one or two tracks on the album. And then he went on tour as Chris Cornell's drummer. And then not long after that, he joins the band Puddle of Mud. And then Puddle of Mud releases their debut album. And then they they blow up. And he's in Puddle of Mud through their the height of their career the first several years. You know, I'm a big fan of those first two Puddle of Mud albums. Then, I guess at some point, he gets the call. And he joins Three Doors Down in 2005. So all within the span of like probably eight years, seven, eight years, you know, he goes from working in Guitar Center to joining an established rock band, nationally touring, well-known rock band, and then quickly becomes the drummer for one of the greatest vocalists of all time, and then joins another band that is right on the verge of blowing up, and then joins one of the biggest rock bands in the country, you know, and here we are. Nearly 20 years later, and he has cemented himself as a fixture in Three Oars Down. Got the chance to see Three Oars Down several times throughout the years. I believe I probably saw, I need to look up, I should have looked up when Greg actually joined Three Oars Down, but I assumed it was before I saw them live that, you know, I saw them live on like their first tour, the Better Life tour. Like, 
I think at like a cat fest in Oklahoma city or something, they were like one of the early bands on the, you know, like going on at like one or two in the afternoon. And then within a year or two, they were at the top of the bill. Got to see them several times. And then one of the times was in 2005 when they were touring on their third album late in that fall. And they had Shinedown and Alter Bridge opening for them. Which, I mean, that's one hell of a bill when you think about those three bands. And it was before, you know, Shinedown became an arena headliner. They were already a well-established band by that point. But their second album just came out in Alter Bridge. I believe this was actually touring on their first album. So I'm sure that's the first time I saw Greg live and then clear up to the most recent time would have been also last September at Blue Ridge when I talked about seeing Saliva for the last time or the most recent time. Same thing with Three Doors Down. Got the chance to check them out there as well and they sound as great as ever. So they got this tour coming up this summer. Like I said, Away From The Sun, 20th Anniversary Tour which means they're probably going to play it in its entirety, and then they'll play all the other hits as well. It also features Candlebox opening, and when this was announced a couple days ago, Kevin Martin released a short video on social media talking about the tour and said that this will be Candlebox's final tour. Or he said this will be Candlebox's final ever tour. I believe at some point, I remember, it might have even been on the first time he was on this podcast, but he mentioned that, you know, he wasn't going to keep going on forever, like a lot of those guys do, you know, and he could see it wrapping up at some point. Here we are, 2023 is 30 years from Candlebox's debut album, so I guess that's as good as a time as any. Then again, you don't know what he actually meant by that. You know, this day and age, it's kind of weird to say something like that, too, because in the grand scheme of things, 30 years is a long time, but... It's still pretty young for these guys. They're not super old. Kevin Martin still sounds exceptional. So who's to say five years from now, he's not going to be like, man, I want to take this out on tour. And then they do it, just like every other band. that Not every band, but a lot of bands that say this is the end and then they get back together. But that's beside all the point. He said it's their final tour. Maybe that means they're going to play shows randomly, you know, next year. They could just do a festival here or there. They could do a hometown Seattle show, whatever. Why am I delving so deep into this? I don't know. But that's the news there from Candlebox. So you've got a great bill this summer with Three Doors Down and Candlebox to look forward to. But yeah, I need to quit rambling here and let's just jump into this interview and hear what Greg has to say. Here is Greg Upchurch of Three Doors Down. Yeah, you had a show last weekend, right? Or, I mean, the weekend before last? Yeah, I was in Orlando, Orlando. But I haven't been high. I live in Nashville, and I haven't been home So because I've been in Oklahoma. And uh, I spent two weeks there because I've been gone for two months. And so I went home for a couple weeks, and now I'm back in Oklahoma again. Uh, I'll be here probably till close to the end of May. Oh, okay. So do you so, have a... You have a place in near Kingston as well, or you just stay with family? I stay with my mom. Oh, okay. Well, it's funny because my mom's <laughs> got this little one-bedroom house, and me and my two other brothers live there right now. 
<laughs> wow. I'm serious. I sleep on the floor on a little <laughs> pallet thing. <laughs> it's like but going back to the days well, of your youth. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely reminds me of California days when I first moved out there. But uh, you have to sacrifice to to do what you want, to live your dreams, you know? Right. Well, speaking of here in the Kingston area, you opened uh, Greg's Rockin' Goat Coffee here about, what, six, eight months ago? Like, how's it been going so far? Uh, it's nerve-wracking. I mean, I invested into this community just because, well, I grew up here. I love Lake Texoma. I love the lake uh fishing the i don't know and i never felt when i moved to los angeles i never felt like i was a los angelinian or something you know and then now i live in nashville and i don't feel like you know a nashvillian i've always yeah. felt like lake Texas. i'm a texoman or whatever you know i'm just <laughs> like this is the only place that i really feel like home you know even when i cross the state line into oklahoma i feel different yeah you know it's, so it's a I don't know if it's a nostalgia thing or what, but it, you know, I guess it's kind of like that song. You never always 17 in your hometown or whatever. That's it's like a country song or something, <laughs> but uh, you know, and then I don't know. It's, it's a good place to people ask if I want to live here. And I tell them I want to die here. You know, it's like, it's slow pace. You know, I, my wife laughs at me because my two least favorite things are making a left turn and putting on a duvet cover. <laughs> the, the most. Yeah. But uh, no, I mean, I just like, I like Oklahoma, you know, I'm an Okie. Yeah. As far as it comes to the coffee shop, most guys, you know, like kind of musicians or athletes or whoever, someone in a celebrity position, when they do this, they do a collaboration with a coffee and just release a coffee. You went all in with the shop. Like, has this been something you had dreamed about doing for a while or someone just hit you up about it or? Well, what my mom, my mom owns this building and it's right at okay. the red light. It's on highway 70 I minutes. Mean, there's just nonstop traffic going up and down here. And, uh, so I was like, what could I put here? What would, you know, and I, I got sober about nine years ago and now I'm addicted to coffee, you know? <laughs> And so there's no coffee shop here. I mean, there's a diner and a donut shop, a gas station, but no coffee shop. So, and then like, I started kind of studying it. And that, like, there's a coffee shop in Nashville that I go to that's like uh, an old cabin. And when I'd walk in there, there'd be these bluegrass uh, musicians in the back and I just listen they're all singing background vocals and harmonies and it sounds like Alice across the Union Station or something I'm like I just sat there I was like I loved it I was like I can kind of do whatever I want with this thing you know hold on one second I'm just doing an interview but thank you just said it right there my brother's something got dropped off at the house okay <laughs> no problem I have I, I'm on I'm ordering cups and sleeves and you know all the different things like that yeah so but no, I mean, so I thought, well, I could do that, you know? And then my buddy was like, yeah, you should put all your gold records and all your stuff in there. And I started really kind of brainstorming and kind of snowballed and making it like a, uh, sorry, somebody's calling me. I'm going to end. I, I don't want to touch it. Okay. It says, it says scam on it. Oh, wow. 
I love that's my favorite feature right now. Yeah, same here. Damn likely. Yeah. Like, yeah I know <laughs> give me that time. Right. Um, no, but so just put my stuff in here and kind of like, you know, I was just thinking like Blake Shelton's got Old Red. Toby Keith's got out of this bar. I mean, everybody's kind of musician-wise diversifying. Like, if you go down Broadway in Nashville, it's Dirks Bentley's Whiskey Row, Kid Rock's Rooftop, uh, the Big and Rich. He's got one. Uh, even what's his name? I can't even think of his name. Gavin DeGraw. He's got one there called uh, Nashville Underground. Um, so everybody's kind of like doing these other things, but they're all the same thing. It's a honking tonk. It's like a bar restaurant. It's like a, 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 a Chili's or something to me, you know, right. it's, kind of, but with live music. So I wanted to do something, you know, different than that being that I don't drink, you know, and I'm kind of living that lifestyle. And I thought like, I'll combine those two things, you know, because you, in the music industry, you kind of need to diversify. You know, because if you're planning on making a decent living, I mean, well, not a decent living, but like try to where your only worries are about shows, not paying my phone bill, right. you know, and it, but doing it through music, you know, it's tricky, you know, and this actually lets me be a musician. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I don't have to rely on that. I can relax on that. I don't like, oh, God, we're not touring for three months. You know, that they kind of like worry about, you know, how am I going to pay the mortgage this month? Those yeah. kinds of, you know, because I was a part of it at the 90s, you know, when I started doing this and people were buying CDs and there were record sales and we were doing videos and like with Puddle of Mud, you know, that, I was at that band when it blew up and it was just an explosion. And then, you know, I actually... I never had money in my life, you know? And so it was just kind of like mind blowing, like, oh, wow. And then I've just kind of like sustained that because really the key to this in my industry is longevity. I always thought like, it wasn't about how much I was going to make, it's about how long can I do it? And it's just, I need to afford myself the ability to go do it where I don't have to like quit playing drums because I just have to go get a job, you know? I mean, yeah. it doesn't how big your band is i mean we're a rock band and it's like we, we can tour but like we're getting you know how often do i want to tour so i put my this and i fell in love with doing this you know it's been so enjoyable now granted last week in orlando was awesome because i was like oh yeah this is my job it's not stressing out over my own business you know <laughs> I let it because you know, a coffee shop is something that's pretty simple in the sense that I don't need a whole staff. I got four employees. I got four great baristas. And my and I'm roasting my own coffee here. And it's right because this building has another building attached to it. And I'm roasting my own coffee. And the way it happened is it's like the universe put me here to do this because I'm like, okay, I'm going to start this coffee shop. And right before I opened, like a month before I was about to open, this guy walks in here and he was like, hey, you've ever thought about roasting? I was like, well, yeah, but I don't have 80 grand for a roaster. I don't know how to roast. I put everything into this. I'm just going to buy my beans from somebody, you know? And he's like, well, I'm from Kingston. And I, I live in a, he, had, he owns a coffee farm in Bolivia. And he lives in Bolivia now, but he's here. His parents still live here. He's here all the time. And 
we ended up just kind of partnering up and I'm like, yeah, so we're just kind of like started this business together. And I really didn't know him, but it was kind of like, it's better to know each other than start with somebody that you really know. Yeah. You know, we put everything in black and white. We're just putting everything 50, 50. And let's just, now my coffee shop's one thing, but the roasting thing, it's been, you know, it's own thing. But uh, it was like, how, in this little town, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Kingston, but the odds of somebody walking in here wanting to roast coffee and knowing how to do it and trained us on how to do it. it and he owns his own, his own farm. We get the beans from his farm. So it's, that was crazy, right. you know? And then I was just going to be my own barista and figure it out on YouTube. You know, <laughs> I was like, sure, everything's on YouTube. I can learn everything. I'll Google it, you yeah. know? And then this guy walks out of her husband works at the hardware store. And I was buying stuff when I was building this thing and his wife, they just moved to town and she was a barista and she trained everybody at this coffee shop she was working at. And she's a singer songwriter. And I'm like, Oh my God. And she is incredible. And I'm, cause I've had, uh, I want to have live music in here, you know, I want, but I, what I want to do is more, more than anything is it's about trying to get people to write songs here have a place where other songwriters can meet other songwriters. Like I want to do like, I kind of there's a place in Nashville called the Bluebird, yeah. And that it's usually like four or five guys sitting in chairs and they're just playing their own songs. I want to do something like that, but also where they can write together and like meet other songwriters. Cause it's hard when you're doing it by yourself. You need somebody to bounce ideas off of, you know, and not everybody has that person and that he might be, in the town right next to you and you guys see eye to eye and you know, it's a good place for them to meet. Cause I think there's a lot of talent around, you know, cause I look, I, I watch drummers that are like six years old that are like blowing me away. I'm like, how is this possible? And I think it's probably because of the generation, the YouTube generation where they can just watch videos. Back in my day, you had to get a VHS tape, you know, and watch yep. it and burn on the instructional videos. <laughs> We're now everything, find out anything. How do you play this beat or this guitar lick? Or how do you play eruption? You know, and learning eruption is nothing. So there's a lot of talent. I just worry that some kids like in a small town, Oklahoma thinks, well, I, I can't do that. I live here. And I just wanted to put this here and be like, look, I'm from here too. You might have to get out of here, but if you're lucky enough, you'll, going back to the sacrificing or whatever, like sleep on the floor. Like you need to go through those phases to appreciate what success is. Everybody's version of success is different. You know, sex is or success is, is, is more like a, it's a state of mind. It's like what you never know whose version of that is, you know, mine is just being happy. If I'm happy, that's success. And just doing what I love. I mean, I, I not many people can say they do what they love at 51, what they love to do when they were nine. Right. You know what I mean? And I've been fortunate enough to be able to, you know, through my career, play an instrument and not be an asshole and be able to get gigs. You know what I mean? Because I tell young people all the time, it's like, the key to success in my industry and just about any industry is don't be an addict and don't be a dick. Yeah. I mean, that's simple and just go for it. Be a person that you would like to hang out with. Be a nice, just be nice. I don't know. I'm <laughs> call me a dreamer. <laughs>
Yeah, I read that recently that you spoke. Was it at your high school? Was it? Um, I, spoke, I spoke at another high school. Okay. Um, was it that general theme of what you just spoke about, or? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, tell my story. You know what I did and going to California and Los Angeles. Never, never been there before. You know, just kind of in how my career got started is about putting myself out there and being around like-minded people and just networking. Because everything in life really is networking. So, you know, it gets you this or, I mean, just meeting people. And you're not going to get that by sitting at home, playing video games or watching TV or just sitting on YouTube, learning how to play eruption. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like you have to kind of like when you're old enough, depending on what you want to do, it's all relative. If you want to be a fishing guide, stay here. You know, it's like, you know, but I didn't. I wanted to be in Motley Crue when I was growing up. You know, I wanted that. Yeah. I, that's the only thing I could ever think about. And so I was 22, I think. And it was like, it just kind of, it was scary as hell. It was just as scary as coming back to Oklahoma to start my own business. I feel like, what am I doing? This is crazy. <laughs> Coffee, Kingston. You know, I'm, you know, it's so far as the locals have really liked it. And like I said, this is a big summer resort town. I saw I saw Gwen Stefani not that long ago across the street. She <laughs> stuck out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Her and Blake, they have a house here. And uh, I was like, she's wearing like $140,000 worth of clothes. <laughs> I, was like, I mean, yeah. Anyway. I know the, the original name was Greg's Dancing Goat. Like where, where did that, or like, what's the story behind that? Or was it? Well, the Greg's dancing goat was, um, well, the story with the goat is the, they say is that that's how these Ethiopian goat herders, the, the goats would eat the coffee cherries. And then they would look like they were dancing because they were all getting all caffeine, you know, all the caffeine intake. And that's how they kind of figured out. They started, you know, that's how we found coffee was these goats. And they used to call them these dance, the dancing goats. And so I was like, all right, dancing goat. So and th- I swear, I remember I Googled it or Facebook looking for like, well, is there another one? And the only one I could find was the dancing goat cafe. And it was in Kingston, United Kingdom. <laughs> what are the odds? Yeah. I know. And the, it was on Beverly road. And my mom's name is Beverly. And she's the one, this is her building that she let me do this in. <laughs> And I'm like, oh my God, that's the name, you know, but then, so I did that. And then there was a, there's a coffee shop in like Spokane, Washington, or somewhere up in the Northwest, somewhere in the Washington state sent me a cease and desist letter. They were called the dancing goats. Cause I put my name on it first, Graves dancing goat, just to make it, you know, like Blake's old red or whatever, but kind of like thing. And then, uh, so I had to change it. And that was right before I opened too. I already bought shirts, had merchandise made up, had walls logoed up. Oh, man. But uh, I couldn't believe they found me, you know, in Washington State and found this. And they had, you know, um, in Kingston, Oklahoma. But then I guess, you know, probably somebody who's a fan of the band said, oh, he's putting up a dancing goat. And then they saw it and they were like not having it. So <laughs> anyway, so I, and I was like, what do I change it to? And I tried drumming goat, this goat, that goat, and just rocking goat. And then just we just 
that was it wasn't too much thought into that but i just needed to change the name fast yeah you know what'd you end up having to do with all that merch you bought <laughs> i gave it to the homeless up in washington state oh yeah <laughs> in, in the spokane? same in the same town that that it was spokane that's oh, what it was wow. <laughs> I sent, I sent the homeless donated to the in spokane so i figured i'd be driving crazy seeing my shirts everywhere you're right <laughs> on home is this something that if it's successful in the years would you like think of doing one in nashville as well or is there too much competition this is more just like a hometown kind of thing yeah i'm going to keep it regional i mean yeah. i might have more here and there and see how far i mean i don't know how far i can take this thing but i mean just start with this one and go from there and the bummer is i don't have a drive-through because this building just isn't equipped for that but you need to come in here and see it because like i've got all my kind of it's all music stuff you know and uh we've got a vinyl i got a turntable we listen to vinyl records let the customers thumb to them put on what they want oh nice yeah i think it's good for the kids like younger kids to put on records and check it out and some of them don't ever see that it's like that's how we used to listen to music well speaking of music you released this skin to skin track during the during the lockdown like yeah obviously the you know, the theme was about the lockdown, right? But like what kind of set the motion for doing this solo track? Was it just boredom or like? <laughs> I mean, the engineer, we had a studio of Nashville and the engineer was renting a room in my basement. And so we already lived in the same house. And uh, he was like, you should write a song about it and we'll go record it. Because uh, I mean, at that point, you know, when, right when it was going down, because this is right at the beginning of it, you know, we're like, this is, we're going to be stuck here for a while. We're not doing anything. So we're like, well, nobody's at the studio. So we just kind of went in there and did that. Like I wrote the song and we recorded it and made it, put the cameras up in like two days. And just like, now what? You know? <laughs> so I didn't know what to do. And I was doing interviews for it and stuff. And I guess because nothing was really happening and people on radio stations needed something to talk about or, you know, other than COVID. Right. So it was actually pretty easy to get on these radio stations in New York and Detroit, Florida, California, you know, it, it just use that name three doors down and all that, you know, use it for what I can, you know. Well, you, yeah, you played everything on this song, right? Like, have you been a multi-instrumentalist your whole life or was the, like the guitar, bass and everything come later? Well, I, I, I guitar, I play guitar, but like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I know G, C, A is the basic chords, but, you know, I just play by ear and bass. I can kind of thumb my way around on it. Singing and not, you know, I, I don't hear, I can't stand my voice, but uh, most people can't. But I, they got so many bells and whistles on it, you know, that make me sound good. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they, they, a lot of people, you know, sound perfect in the studio. It's like, well... It's easy to do now. You just, it's a, download the app. Right. And perfect. You know? <laughs> yeah. What do you feel you're strongest at besides the drums when it comes to any other instrument, vocally or guitar or anything? Is it all None. just kind of even? <laughs> okay. I, I can play them in, like, in my house kind of thing. or write. I like to write songs, you know. But uh, I'm not confident enough to sit on stage other than the drums. That's it. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to hold anything or have to stand where, you know, 
I like sitting there where I don't have to make a decision on what my next rock move is going to be. Yeah. It's sit there and play. <laughs> well, is this something we could expect more of in the future or is it kind of just a one-off thing because of the situation or? Yeah, it was kind of a one-off thing in the situation and I've already recorded a couple of other songs, nothing that I feel comfortable in releasing. It's just more for my personal, you know, um, I'm never going to rule it out. I mean, because it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed doing it. But, I mean, right now, especially with this coffee shop, it's like I'm kind of, like, focused on this and how to get this thing going. Because we're leaving for tour. It starts in the middle of June and it goes through September, into September. Okay. So uh, we haven't announced any dates or a tour yet, but it's that's about the time. So I'm going to be gone for a good three and a half, four months. So I'm trying to really get this thing, you know, as far as like uh, everything implemented that I can and have it running and smooth. Cause we just added tomorrow, we're adding chicken salad wraps, you know? And so just kind of like start to get into the food, see how much, what I can get accomplished before I leave. Cause like I said, summer here is crazy. And there's a lot of people with money that come to, yeah, because some of the houses, like you go down to the lake houses, and some of these houses, you're like, oh my god, <laughs> it's so huge. You're like, I I never used to go down there. That was like the nice neighborhood. I live in a trailer house. You know, <laughs> I read that. Uh, I don't know. I think it was even before COVID that that there was three doors down, like an album being worked on. Is that something that like got stalled no, we- because of COVID, or is that something you're still working on, or? No, we were going to work on it. We were going to try to do it through COVID. And we started doing it like through Facebook Lives or whatever, you know, and Zoom. And But it really wasn't working. Okay. You know, there's no excitement there. And you can't need to be in a room banging on the drums, playing the guitar through an amp, you know. But uh, I did go to Brad's and write some songs. And then we wrote two songs. We're playing one live right now. But, uh, so it's kind of cool. Like now when we play the song, it's like me and Greg, the drummer wrote it. I'm like, Hey, <laughs> so, but, uh, we're playing it live, which is good because I think we'll record it hopefully before we leave out in the tour. So next pretty soon, um, because like, I think the last song we did it with was it's not my time where we toured before we ever released the song, we toured and we played it live for a while. Which is a good a good thing to do because it lets us, you can kind of find your way. Each guy can kind of play it, get comfortable with it, figure out what they want to change before it's like, you know, sometimes you'll write a song and record it right then. Yeah. You know, that's it forever. You know, you didn't get to play it live and kind of like see how it really feels, you know, let its identity show itself a little bit more of what it is instead of just like going there cold. So. We'll see. Hopefully, you know, it's, it's already kind of like maturing as we've played it. So we'll see. Hopefully. I mean, it's it's a it's a ballad love song, but it's the typical three doors down. Like, don't stray too far from like the here without you's the loser. I mean, those are great songs, you know, because the band struggled for a while trying to find, you know, we're not that we're not just that band. We can do this. It's like, yeah, you kind of are that band, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Stay in your lane. It's great. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. You know, but nowadays I listen to radio and hear and stuff. I'm like, 
Yeah, we're we're more country than country. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It's like we're a rock band, but listen to the new Hardy, and I was like, that's a rock, you know, Co Wessel. I mean, that's this is rock music. Yeah. And they so for some reason they got bastardized into country. I just don't know. I guess because they're from Texas or whatever, but I'm like, I remember we they opened up for us in South Carolina. And it was yeah, it's a country guy from uh Texas named Co Wetzel. And I was like, okay. I watched him and I was like, shit, there's country of Stone Temple Pilots. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. Country about that. He's got two bass drums. It's not a, I don't know. Yeah, at some point, country kind of, like you said, went into the rock vein and the pop vein, and it's kind of lost that middle ground, you know, well, <laughs> at, at least, least in with, the mainstream, you know. Right. Well, at least with Texas country, it's kind of rock oriented, whereas Nashville country is real pop and rap, almost hip hop y kind of oriented. So I can, because to me, like when I went, I hung out with the guys in the Co Wessel band and they had the black tooth grin tattoos. <laughs> and I, I was like, it's funny to me because like, Daryl influenced so many guitar players in the state of Texas. Yeah. Like, so you country guys that are really Pantera fans, but they're playing some sort of, it's rock music with storytelling or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not all about, it was like Co Wessel, every other song, you know, songs about cocaine, you know? <laughs> but uh, I think that that's probably what a lot of the impact is in the Texas country is so rock oriented is because, you know, it's like Stevie Ray Vaughan and Pantera is like Texas proud, you know? Yeah. Even ZZ Top. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentioned writing that song with Brad. Is that like, is the three doors down writing process generally, is it Brad and then? someone else or is it all you guys kind of together or how's that work is it it's been, it's been all kinds usually the best formula is brad's got a song and he's just singing it that's how he did with this last one he was just singing the song and i just kind of figured out the chords behind him and then i wrote he didn't have a bridge and then i wrote a musical part it's one of those songs like it just naturally felt like it needed to go to there you know for a bridge it kind of lifted it up a little bit and uh he wrote the lyrics right then and there to the bridge. I mean, it was written in a couple couple hours, maybe. I mean, he had the lyrics. He sang the whole song. He, you know, what? But he he doesn't play guitar, or piano, or anything. He plays drums, but he doesn't. So I had the guitar, and I was just playing along with him, and he'd be like, "That's what you know." And then we figured it out. With three years down, it's like it's not rocket science. It's going to be three or four chords, <laughs> and and then that's that's the beauty of it, you know. Willie Cor Willie Nelson, what did he say? Three chords in the truth. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Pretty early on in your professional career, Eleven became Chris Cornell's backing band. I mean, obviously, that's got to be valuable to like be able to like be out on the road with someone that was that revered in the rock world. Like, how did that set you up for your career professionally? Well, that was just a crazy experience, just to be like being because I was such a Soundgarden fan, you know when I was in Oklahoma and stuff and to be in a band, I knew like to me, he was one of the greatest singers, you know, and then to be in a band with him and having his voice going in my ear monitors, you know, and just, Oh my God, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking I was 25, 26 years old, you know, fresh from Oklahoma, pretty, pretty close. Then a couple of years, three years, something like that. Uh, but just, 
that was my first time on a tour bus. And I mean, we had turned opening up for Soundgarden and stuff, but I was in a van, you know, and this, I'm in the bed and he's riding in the bus with us. And I'm sitting in the back lounge drinking cognac with him and hanging out and watching basketball games and just, you know, and it, he was a very, he was just cool. Like in every sense of the word, like Fonzie kind of cool. Like everything he said was clever. I mean, every, he's one, he's kind of introverted like that, you know, like he didn't talk a lot, but when he talked, it was intelligent. He was a very smart man, you know, and it kind of like, it lost the whole rock star thing lost itself. Like, you know, when I first started with him, but then again, you know, you see, you're like, holy shit, that's Chris Cornell. You know, it's just like, he's unmistakable. You know, if he walks in a room, you're like, holy crap, that's him. You know, but that was a, and I mean, when that tour ended, we were going to start a band and we were actually thinking of names. And I remember calling my friend and like here and be like, oh my God, dude, I'm going to be in a band with Chris Cornell. We're going to start, we're starting a band. And then uh, one day I went down to rehearsal at the other two from 11s and then Natasha was crying on the couch. I remember I was like, oh, what's going on? And then she just like, looked at me and she goes, fucking rage against the machine and la la la, audio slave. And I was like, what? And kind of one of those middle of the night things, he changed his mind and ended up being an audio slave, which, you know, obviously blew up. Right. And then, so that was, that stopped that. So 11 continued on and we went out and we toured with Queens of the Stone Age. I think rated R record. It just came out and we did a tour with them. And then I just, I don't really know exactly how it happened, but I got a call about Puddle of Mud and they weren't anything at that point. You know, they were looking for a drummer and I went down on this for them. And then I ended up going with Puddle of Mud and then Nolan and Natasha went joined up with uh, Queens of the Stone Age. And they still kept going uh, because that was their band. I was just, you know, the drummer. And then Jack came back, who was the original drummer of Eleven, who I replaced because he went to Pearl Jam. And that's how that. And then that was at that same time that I met them. And then I was in Puddle of Mud for four and a half years, almost five years. And then Three Doors Down needed a drummer. And I just saw. Like I said, longevity. Wesley was a loose cannon, man. And I just saw a little bit more stability in Three Doors Down. And, you know, because I'm a musician, it's not like these are my songs that I'm writing. I don't really. That's the beauty of the instrument that I play. I can go from band to band and hardly anybody really notices, you know, <laughs> which I love. You know, and I love being in Three Doors Down because it's kind of like a faceless band. And it's just like, not really nobody knows what we look like. It's not like, you know, we had these these Motley crew, like, I know who that is, and I know who that is, you know. I could be the, the band accountant, <laughs> you know. So, I mean, other than Brad, obviously, being a lead singer, but, like, when you're in the band, you just kind of blend in. Yeah. And I love Well, when you first joined Three Doors Down, like, how long was it before? Did they integrate you pretty quickly and kind of let you bring in your ideas, or did it take an oh, hour or two? No, I mean, they just let me go. I mean... It's weird because, like, going back to the Chris Cornell thing, it's kind of like I was in Polo Mud, but then I was also, when they were still playing bars, I was like, yeah, I was touring with Chris Cornell. And I, I, they, I had respect. 
Like they didn't try to, they didn't talk down to me or like, you're the new guy. There was none of that. So in the same way with Puddle Mutt, like I said, the Chris Cornell thing just set me up on a little different level when I'm with other musicians. Like in Nashville, I'll say like, oh, well, you know, you're meeting all these different musicians from different bands like Jason Aldean or I'm the bass player for this guy, you know, whatever. And then I'll say, yeah, you know, playing Three Doors Down and then he's playing Puddle Mutt and they're like, oh, that's cool. And then, and then and then Chris Cornell and they're like, oh, really? <laughs> you know, everybody's kind of like, oh, okay. It's just an, the, another level, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, personally, I'd put him on a Mount Rushmore of rock vocalists. Yeah. Well, I, I'm telling you, I played I played a few shows with Hart, you know, to fill in for their drummer when he was going through something with his wife. His wife got sick. And every once in a while, he had to go to the hospital. And they just fly me out. I never rehearsed with them. I just play these shows. They give me an MP3 at the night before his concert. I listen to it on the plane. <laughs> but I'm like, same thing. I'm like, I played with Chris Cornell and Ann Wilson. I'm like, two of the maybe arguably the best singers in rock history female and male and i've gotten to play on stage with both of them yeah so that's like that's a tough one to top yeah absolutely kind of a little bit change of subject one of my all-time favorite bands is tesla and <sighs> i i had read that i think that was your first concert and you're a big fan of troy lucetta and that's how you kind of almost pushed you into being a drummer or am i remembering that right or no it's, just, it's close it was the first I felt the bass drum at a concert doing that. Oh, okay. Yeah, and they were the first band at the Texas Jam in 87. And I was just like, oh, my God. And he, his drumming was so good. And I was just, I loved that record, that first, I mean, well, I loved the, all their stuff. But that first record, you know, with Modern Day Cowboy, and I was just like, blew my mind. I got to actually sit and talk with him. Uh, at a studio just kind of randomly we had a great talk and he was a super nice guy but uh yeah i'm a, they were out of all those metal bands in the 80s they were different yeah they, they were like players they were like had a had a coolness to them the other ones didn't have yeah yeah you know kind I'm, of the, the jeans and jeans and shirts dudes you know just playing like bluesy hard rock you know that just kind of set I, them apart yeah uh, and great hooks and melodies and vocals. I mean, the whole thing is great. Was that, I mean, you mentioned Motley Crue. Was that, was your first love of music, that style of rock, or did you start somewhere else? It was Kiss, you know. Oh, okay, yeah. Kiss in the, in the 70s, and then and Heart as well, because the drums in Barracuda were so cool. And, I, and like, I even played along like, Pat Benatar, and just whatever was on the radio kind of thing. Yeah. I didn't have MTV growing up. Uh, just wasn't here. Uh, I had a friend of mine that would record Headbangers Ball on VHS, and we'd watch that. You know, she had one of those satellites, those big satellites you have in the backyard. Yeah, she had one of those. But uh, just anything that was on the radio it could be Minute Work. I mean, it could have been Duran Duran. I'm just playing everything I can. And then when a band director turned me on to jazz music, and then that kind of blew my mind as a drummer and I started really getting into jazz and playing in the school jazz band and all that stuff. And then that, my band director took me in 1990, my senior year to see Lenny Kravitz in Dallas and Lenny Kravitz was just coming out. Let love rule was just kind of starting. And I remember, and that was like a magical, like, wow. I mean, it was cool. It was like a, a church religious thing. It was 
I'd never seen anything like it. So uh, I had good band directors uh, mentoring me when I was here. So that's also a big key to why, how I excelled. Well, you've mentioned the upcoming tour from Three Doors Down. I mean, are you at a place now with the shop that you feel comfortable? Like you said, you're working towards it. You feel comfortable leaving and letting everybody else handle it? I think so. Yeah. I've two months from now and I can like just getting getting it dialed in. I mean, yeah. I'm like I said, I've got some great baristas. Uh, they make some of them. And what's cool is I've created a spot where they love working here. And they're actually, one of them started making our own syrups. Like, so every season we were doing these new syrups and they're doing stuff around here. Like I never would have thought of that. So cute and cool and hip. And, you know, they're younger than me. You know, most people are, but um, <laughs> they just, they go the extra mile and they care about it. And that's the thing, because, I mean, I wanted to make sure my mom, who had that diner for 30 years, she always told me, she says, take care of your employees. You have to take care of your employees. And so I do, you know. I try to make sure I have the best work environment there is. I've definitely got the coolest job in town. Listening yeah. to music all day, drinking coffee. I mean, I, it sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm looking forward to this uh, new music you got coming from Three Doors Down, and I appreciate you taking the time with me today, man. Well, thank you for having me, and I appreciate yeah. it. Like I said, I'm sorry you kind of got wires crossed, but we got it nailed down at least. Yeah, absolutely. You ever come down to Kingston? I, it's been a long time, but I mean, I'm only like two, about two hours away, I think. You're about Tulsa, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just come down, what is it, 69? Yeah. I think. Yeah, and then... Uh, Right here on Highway 70, right at the, it's at the light. My friends in California think that's great. And they're like, yeah, I got it. It's at the light. They love that address. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, that's what a small town it is. I remember Three Doors Down were actually the first people here and had coffee. Oh, really? Yeah, and, and it was 4th of July weekend, and there was so much traffic. And they were like, I thought you said you live in a small town. I was like, I do. It's just, I'm on a highway that's, I mean, every red light. There's always 20 cars every minute in front of my building. Yeah. You know, so it's it's a great location. It's just give it time to take off and make sure I don't screw it up. Yeah, I go to Dallas a lot, but I'm always like down 75. So huh. stop in. And also, yeah. like, we sell our own coffee online. So I got to plug that. So it's gregsrockandgoat.com. Yeah. Uh, we sell our own bag coffee. We make our own K-Cups. We had a K-Cup machine back there. Um, and when you get it, it was roasted probably within three, four days. Oh, wow. We, we, kind of, we don't have stock. You know what I mean? We kind of roast to order. So when you order it, we roast it and ship We box ship it. We got it all. We ship it right from here. Wow. I'm telling you, man, that guy came, blew, my, blew my mind. <laughs> We're going to do it. Hopefully... I don't announce it yet, but I think we're going to try to do a three doors down blend for the tour. Okay. Try to sell it at the shows. See, you know, everybody likes coffee. Well, most people like coffee. For sure. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. There you go, Greg Upchurch of Three Doors Down. A huge thank you to Greg for taking some time out there to join me on Zoom to talk about Greg's Rock and Goat Coffee, Three Doors Down, Chris Cornell, and lots of other great stuff. 
So if you're in the Oklahoma area, the North Texas area, head over there to Kingston, Oklahoma and hit up the coffee shop. And if Greg's there, say what's up or just drop him a line on social media. Let him know what you think about the coffee. I'm going to try to hit that up at some point here myself. All right. If this is your first time listening, it is greatly appreciated. There's 372 episodes prior to this one that feature all kinds of guests across the the gamut of rock and roll. You know, we were talking about saliva earlier. Josie Scott was on here late last year. Mentioned Kevin Martin of Candlebox earlier. He's been on here twice. We've also had on members of Drowning Pool, uh, Saving Able, Trapped, Nonpoint, Seven Dust, Avatar, Danko Jones, Queensryche, Twisted Sister, King's X, Helmet, Prong, Typo Negative, White Zombie, Megadeth, Death Angel, Toxic Holocaust, Crowbar, Superjoint, Def Leppard, Guns N' Roses, Kiss, Deep Purple. Man, what am I forgetting? I'm forgetting all kinds of stuff. Steelheart, Tesla, Warrant, Winger, Whitesnake, Motley Crue, John Karabi, the vocalist that replaced Vince Neil and Motley Crue and made Motley Crue's best album in 1994 was on here at one point. So check that one out if you have not. I've also had on Shooter Jennings, Vanilla Ice, all kinds of great shit throughout the years. Thethunderunderground.com, you can listen directly on the website on the player there, or you can listen pretty much anywhere podcast I heard, like Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play, SoundCloud, MixCloud, etc., etc., wherever you're listening right now. Like or subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. Future episodes include Terry I. Lou, the vocalist for the band XYZ, and the former vocalist of Great White. We've also got a couple others scheduled to be recorded. We'll talk about those once they happen. Follow us on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Might be running a contest very soon. Let's see, next week is the Two Minutes to Tulsa show here in Tulsa that I've talked about a few times. With Night Demon, Haunt, Exciter, Satan, Sadistic Force, Hammerhead. I know I'm forgetting a couple. Blind Oath, of course, our Tulsa favorites. But yeah, check that one out. Tickets at canesbarroom.com. That's brought to you by Horton Records. We'll be talking about that, of course, next week again as well. So yeah, all that great stuff to look forward to. And that should cover it for another episode. A huge thank you to Greg Upchurch, DEB Concerts, Med Farm, and Sunset Tattoo. And until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all. (laughs) 